Allies to Protect on Beat 102-103. Basically, we're moving into a more Mediterranean-style climate in the, in Ireland. Uh, not a great place to have a Mediterranean climate. I'd rather keep it in the Mediterranean. And Northern and Central Europe may be less prepared than some of the Southern European countries to face this very high temperature. It's really nice to see, but I know it's not good for the environment. It's better to kind of get the warm weather abroad, but obviously planes are also a huge contribution to climate change. During the coming five years, the estimation is that uh, Arctic temperatures would be three times uh, the global average. When we look at the picture of the globe, what we see is we see global temperatures rising in almost everywhere. And this is really critical to the climate of Ireland. Eyes to Protect is funded by Commission Amon with the television licence fee and is a partnership between Beat 102-103 and the Independent Broadcasters of Ireland. Check out eyestoprotect.ie for more info. And you're very welcome to Hours to Protect. Over the next half an hour, we're going to arm you with the information we all need to tackle this battle of our lifetime that is climate change. And you know the score by now. We're facing a climate emergency and it's easy to feel powerless in this time of crisis. But we're here to empower you with the tools to approach change in this biggest issue facing young people today. And I'm joined in studio with Saiva O'Neill. She's a member of the DCU Centre for Climate and Society. She's lecturing in climate change policy in TU Dublin and lots of other stuff as well when it comes to climate change. Isn't that right, Saiva? Yes, I'm also the coordinator of an advocacy coalition, Stop Climate Chaos, which is a mixture of international development, environment and youth and um, the National Women's Council and so on. Okay, good to hear. And then Jeanette O'Brien, who's the current Climate Change Coordinator for Carlow County Council. You're very welcome. Come I'm delighted to be here and thanks a million for the invitation and it's great to meet Sive. Uh, Patrick Curran, uh, who is a science teacher from Arts Culture Moore and TY student Aoife Milner are going to join us later about how they have been talking about and trying to tackle some of the elements of climate change. But let's kick it off with Something that I said earlier and the fact that it's the biggest issue facing young people today. Is that is that a true statement? It obviously affects us all, climate change. But when we talk about climate change, there's a lot of narrative about the next generation. There is, but that next generation is already with us, frankly. So when we talk about what we need to do, the scientists are telling us that we need to get to zero emissions, mm-hmm. basically eliminating all fossil fuels and balancing the emissions and the sinks on, on land. And that has to happen well before 2050 if we're going to keep global warming um, below 1.5 to 2 degrees. I mean, it's going to end up probably somewhere in between. But the reality is that even though those numbers don't sound very much, it's like putting your body into a permanent fever. It's like adding an extra one or two degrees to your body temperature. And just remember how sick you would be if you raised your body temperature like that. So the whole planet is heating up and it's essentially shifting into a totally different epoch, a totally different Uh, you know, earth systems, if you like. And all of that is going to wreak havoc. But we're talking about what's happening between now and 2050. And that's 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 not even in my kids' lifetime. It's in my lifetime. So, you know, there was a time when economists and climate policy experts said that climate change was a long-term problem. We didn't really need to do anything straight away. It was something that technology would figure out how to fix over the next few decades. But the reality is that global emissions of carbon pollution essentially have continued to rise and we're now at the point where we could easily just tip past that 1.5 degree threshold over the next few years just right. because of other climatic conditions. So we're heading into very dangerous territory and mm-hmm. it is uh, it, it should be code red for humanity, all of us alive today but the reality is if we don't act then future generations have nothing left 
in terms of the natural resources of the planet, wildlife is being decimated. And if we don't transform our energy systems to renewables, future generations won't have any energy. While children are going to bear the brunt of it, they are not empowered to make decisions. Mm -hmm. We as adults are. We're the ones equipped with the capital, the money, the resources and the decision-making abilities to turn the ship around. Otherwise, the Titanic is heading straight into that iceberg. So we're the ones who have to turn the ship because you cannot leave this task to future generations. It will be too late. We'll have crossed those tipping points. Okay. and over the next year, we're going to look at some of the ways that we can turn that ship. And over the next half hour, we're going to chat about some of those things as well. And look, you can get more details on what we're talking about on beat102.com and on the Hours to Protect section there. Or you can visit hourstoprotect.ie. This is part of a year-long project with the IBI, that's the Independent Broadcasters of Ireland, and Cumanshu and Naman. First, though, let's talk about that very vast subject that is carbon footprint. What is it? Do you know how it's calculated? Well, we asked these people around the southeast, and their answers were, well, look, let's have a listen. Haven't a clue. Nope. Oh, God, I actually wouldn't know where to find it. No. No. Is it the impact like that you have from what you use? Um, I know that uh, food it causes 24% of it and that you should start by buying local produce and try and go vegetarian one or two days a week maybe to start. Uh, nope. Online. Where would you find it? You Google it. There you go, you Google it. And she's kind of right. Um, you can go to footprintcalculator.org and answer the questions there. I did. And if everyone lived like me, and that's living in an average house, eating meat on a regular basis, travelling about 20 hours a year on airplanes, good amount of car travel, well, then we'd need 5.9 Earths to survive. That is scary stuff. And I didn't even think about what I ate and how that would have an impact on the environment. Did you try out the footprintcalculator.org, Jeanette? I did. I did. I've been using it for quite a while, would and, you believe? Yeah. And how is it? I need uh, three and a half planets. Okay. I, but I have to say I've been working at it. Okay, what have you done? Time. So I suppose some of the things I do, I'm a meat eater. Yes, me too. So I did change and I do vegetarian three days a week. Okay. Um, I do plant-based diet. I also worked on some of the things in my home to reduce energy. I haven't, you know, I suppose when we talk about energy retrofits and, you know, reducing fossil fuels, it's a a big bite and mm-hmm. I often feel even for somebody like me as a an owner of a small three bed semi D you know to do all of the things that are need to be done it's overwhelming and and it's and it's very very costly mm-hmm. so I've done a plan so every year I do something small okay so things like one year I got my walls pumped the next year I got my attic insulation upgraded I've had things like my windows resealed I didn't need new windows even though somebody tried to sell me new windows I just needed them resealed. I went off then to the local library last year and all of our libraries have home energy kits in them. You can borrow them like a book. Okay. And I brought home the little devices and I pressed all the buttons and the batteries and I had a look at different areas where my radiators or whatever needed to be sealed. There's lots of little simple no-cost things that we can do as individuals. All we have to do is have maybe ask Uncle Google. He seems to have all the answers. Um, but but there's lots of ways out there. So I've done that. I've stopped bringing my car to work because of pure laziness. I was driving to work and okay. stopped idling. Just little, just things, little like things. Yeah, when I started looking at, at changes I could make, yeah. me personally, just the power of one. Mm-hmm. And people would often say, oh, what difference can one person make? Yeah. But my answer is, have you ever been bitten by a mosquito? They do woeful damage. Mm. So, you know, the power of one mosquito and you're ended up in lumps 
every, if everybody did some little thing together collaboratively, we eat the elephant one bite at a time. Can we just talk about some of those those pieces of vocabulary like emissions and carbon footprint? Like, how would you describe a carb, carbon footprint to people who mightn't really understand it and, and emissions? Yeah, well, basically, our energy system is very heavily dependent on fossil fuels. When I talk about fossil fuels, I'm talking about oil, mm. heating oil, kerosene, the oil you put in your car if you drive, uh, diesel or petrol, and then you've got coal and peat even. People are still burning peat in, in, even though Bordemona are not burning it to generate electricity anymore. And then you have gas and a lot of our electricity, about 50% of our electricity is coming from burning gas. So when you add up all the carbon dioxide emissions from you know, burning all of those different fuels, they're um, contributing to Ireland's climate impact. And then you literally divide it per capita and uh, assign, if you like, a per capita emissions uh, quota then that way. And that's where those numbers tend to come from. But of course, at an individual level, there's huge variation. There are huge numbers of people in Ireland living in energy poverty where they can't even afford to heat their Mm -hmm. homes. And there are people who don't drive. There are people who choose not to drive. Mm -hmm. There are people who drive all the time. And there are people who are flying to and from London every week to go to work. But that's what is meant by it. It's essentially when you kind of work out the climate impact of But when you add land use, that's where food comes in. And obviously we have a big uh, Mm. environmental uh, impact in Mm -hmm. our food production in Ireland. Um, As someone who is very involved in climate action, are people listening to the things that you're you're saying? All those actions that need to be taken with transport and uh, is it being listened to? Like, it's very hard to get from A to B here in Ireland. The transport links can be quite bad, especially in the Mm -hmm. countryside. Is it being listened to? Is stuff happening? Well, we tend to we tend to ask that question, like you, your vox pop, of people on the street. I would put it back on local authorities yeah. and political leaders. I cycled here from Ballybrickham. I only live in Waterford City, mm-hmm. so I wasn't going to drive. But the, the, the roads were chock-a-block with cars. Uh, the schools were just finishing and there was no kids on bicycles because it's too dangerous to cycle on the roads. So I would put the question back to local authority. If, are you serious about asking people to make changes? Because I don't see that you're putting the infrastructure in place. I see that you're prioritising cars and I see that those cars are getting bigger. So there's increasing road safety concerns there for people who cycle. So if you if you want to turn the ship around, we need leadership we need leadership from politicians. We need leadership from local authorities. And we need it from all the businesses along the way, all the different parts of our system, because we live in a democracy. I think we're on the cusp of a big change and uh, can't come Jeanette, soon enough. As a member of... Uh, uh, yes, yeah, an official from a local authority, I'm working for Carla County Council in the climate realm. Yeah, look, at, I can take some of what, what, what is said on board. Um, I don't think there is nothing happening. I don't think there's no political will. I know, say, f- through our active travel, you know, there's significant um, investment happening through all local authorities in the active travel mode in this in the safe routes to school. So I suppose some of it as well is around people educating themselves and being brave enough to use the systems that are there. I saw it locally when the, the um, say, some of the schemes went up with active travel in terms of of trying to increase the capacity for bike use, there was public outcry. Oh my God, what are you doing? They're awful. And we were saying to people, look, they were actually there already. We've just put bollards in to make it safer for the bike users and also to 
highlight the fact that those are there. So th- there, there is a little bit of, of common sense that's needed around this as well and a bit of kind of get involved and participate and take those options instead of if you have a bus route, instead of getting into your car, if you might have to get up 10 or 15 minutes earlier and beating your three kids into the back of the car with the school bags, take the 10 minutes and put them on the public bus. Good stuff. Okay. Um, we're going to talk more after the break. We're also going to talk to Patrick Kirwan, who's a science teacher from Art School, Namara in Tremor, and TY student Aoife Milner. They're going to tell us what they've been doing to tackle climate change this year. Some really interesting stuff. Um, and you're going to stay with us, Sive and Jeanette, as well. Thanks a million. Some really good information there. And of course, you can check out more details on our website. It's beat102103.com and you'll find more details on ours to protect. We're also carrying out a survey as part of ours to protect. We'd love you to get involved. The link is also on our website if you want to check it out. Ours to Protect is funded by Commission Lamon with the television license fee and is a partnership between Beat 102103 and the Independent Broadcasters of Ireland. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. The Takeover with Southeast Technological University, where our B.Ed. in early childhood education and practice is a lesson in success. More at setu.ie. Ours to Protect on Beat. We are back with part two of Ours to Protect on Beat 102, 103. And still in studio is Saif O'Neill. She's a member of the DCU Centre for Climate and Society. And Jeanette O'Brien, the current Climate Change Coordinator for Carlow County Council. And joining them is Patrick Kirwan, a science teacher at Art School Namara in Tremor in County Waterford. And TY student Aoife Milner, who is also at Art School Namara in Tremor. And they're going to tell us about some things that they have been doing as a TY class to tackle climate change. Change. You're both very welcome. Thank you so much for having us. No bother at all. Before we talk to you, will we talk weather? Because it has been gorgeous out there this week and it is to continue. But also news today that there is a severe drought in 17 of 700 water treatment plants because of the weather. Uh, we talk about climate poverty a lot and about droughts and flooding in countries that seem very far away from us. It feels almost like it's a big advantage to have this weather. Let's see what people around the southeast had to say about it. Um, it's really nice to see, but I know it's not good for the environment. It's better to kind of get the warm weather abroad. But obviously, planes are also a huge contribution to climate change. But um, yeah, we'll definitely be seeing a lot more of it because it's on the up. Climate change is on the up. Yeah, the ice caps are melting and that's not good. Oh no, I think it is affecting climate change. Like The hotter it's getting, it's obviously not great. There's something going on. Yeah, it's never this hot, so yeah, it's like 23 degrees. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's, if you, honestly, it feels a bit like Spain at the minute. Like, <laughs> that's not normal for Ireland. I just think we're getting a nice warm spell. Let's enjoy it. <laughs> there you go. And I think a lot of people do feel about the, it's a nice warm spell, so let's enjoy it. But we can't, we really do have to think about where this weather came from, don't we? The other end, end of it that we have to think about as well is the actual impact of that weather. You mm. know, OK, we're out getting a suntan and it's great and it's good for our mental health. But I'm just going to come back at you from the local authority perspective. So the pressure on providing water, so both water to drink and water to flush your loo is as simple as that. Also in terms of our road maintenance. So that weather is playing havoc with our roads because of the way we make our roads in Ireland. So all of that is going to have to change going forward. You know, there's a huge pressure societal pressure that people don't think about and I'm not just being a Grinch in terms of the sunshine I love it myself I get my 40 million freckles in three seconds but there's an awful lot more to think about than having a day on the beach Mm. even the impact in terms of getting to a beach for the day you're driving your car and then you're leaving your litter behind Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we also have to think that 
while Ireland's climate can be warmed up slightly and it'll still be a very pleasant, safe climate uh, for us to live in, the reality is that one to two degrees of global warming uh, affect uh, countries very differently depending on their current climate. So many countries in Central Asia and the Mediterranean and in Asia are experiencing, and in China as well at the moment, are experiencing uh, huge heat waves that are actually very dangerous. Uh, they're, they're seeing temperatures of in the late 30s, early 40s. And once you get beyond what's called kind of a certain wet bulb temperature, human beings' bodies literally can't cope in the heat. Our organs start to break down and we die. So heat stress uh, kills people. And in some countries in Europe, uh, various heat waves have been known to have caused upwards of 10,000 deaths in France alone, a heat wave back in the early 2000s. So we can't just be glib about this. In Ireland, the effects of a heat wave might not be as severe, but they are severe in other ways in terms of, you know, for example, farmers will need to import fodder if they can't grow enough. Um, we'll have water stress if we uh, the water reservoirs are not replenished by rain. And in general, our economy and our society is adapted to certain weather conditions. And if they change dramatically, that affects all of us in different ways and it affects biodiversity as well. Okay. All right. And of course, um, we have great weather now, but we also have terrible flooding and, and very bad weather in the winter as well. And we don't think about that right now because obviously we're living in the moment of this fabulous weather. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the scientists that have looked at the climate impacts on Ireland of one or two degrees of uh, global warming say that it's quite possible for us to end up with more rain and more cloud, essentially, and even cooler temperatures. Jeanette, did you want to come yeah, in there? Just even, you know, when, we're looking at, when we look at the global context, you know, like, like it's absolutely terrifying, but we also need to bring it back to our local context. And I think even for a lot of people, it's kind of, we look at our own small parish, we look at our own small sphere. So even in terms of, say, the local authority climate action plans that are currently being produced, a lot of reports have been compiled to get some baseline information. And one of them was a climate risk assessment. So from that, we looked at weather patterns, you know, over the last hundred years. Um, And what we're finding is, say, the one in a hundred year severe event that we would expect is now happening maybe once every 30 years. But the other thing is it's bringing out faces, challenges that we're going to face. So say, for example, we're going to look at more biblical downpours um, and the effects of our drainage system on those and even the extremities in terms of your drought and your heat and the changes that we're going to have to make to getting out of your driveway and driving on the driving on the roads to get to work in the first place. Yeah. So even bringing yeah. it back to the local mm. impact, I think, is hugely important. Yeah, definitely. Patrick? Um, listen to this, you know, it's, it's like I'm, I'm feeling the fear <laughs> at the moment and the overwhelm. And I think, um, and, and this is the reality we're in, but we could also be in a different reality, a reality where we're embracing opportunities and we actually change our value system and we really lean into that. So that means actually, you know, when we think about sustainability, which is a bit of an abstract concept, that's about, you know, housing crisis that we could, we could address. And, and part of that is, is by addressing greed in our society. So banning things like Airbnb, mm-hmm. you know, we don't need two or three extra houses. Mm-hmm. One will do. It's also about a, a, a different value system in terms of like valuing people who take care of our elderly and the infirm and paying them for that job. Mm-hmm. Valuing probably the most important job on the planet. Uh, and I'm not one of them, but being a parent. If you're in a two parent family, um, and you want to work part time or, or stay at home, one of you to take care of the, the family and, and take on some extra chores and have some balance. A lot of people can't do that because they can't afford it. So it's, I think about like actually 
I suppose, taking time to realize that, like, the society that we live in and the systems that we live in are not working for us mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form. And this is an opportunity to launch into a better future. Aoife, you are the future. You seem to be representing all of the future <laughs> today on ours to pr- protect. You're a TY student and one of Patrick's students in art school in Amara in Tremor in County Waterford. What did climate change mean to you before you went into TY? Is it something that what you were very aware of and concerned about or was it very abstract to you? Well, we had a module in third year and Mr. Carmen taught it and it was like, it just kind of brought about awareness. But I, as much as I was aware and anxious about it, like I am, I do, I do care about the environment. I love like the different lakes all around the world and all the like, you know what I mean? The sights to see. Um, but I just... I didn't want to take action. I didn't know how to take action. And I I cared, but I didn't care enough to take action. And then this year when we started the model, you learned the smallest things like letting a patch of grass grow in your garden. Like that's a big, that has such a big impact on the biodiversity around you. Yeah, like there's so many small things you can do that you think, oh, why would I even bother? Mm-hmm. But it's like, it makes such a big difference. Mm. Tell us what the model is, that what you called it? Yeah, so yeah. it's a module, I suppose. Um, we call it nature engagement. Basically, we have a really big greenhouse at the back of our school um, and we bring first and third years down and we have there's about 12 or 13 of us TY mentors um, and we're trained by a permaculturist and the first and third years, they come down in their class groups during wellbeing or SPHE, um, one of the non-exam subjects, of course. Um, and we give them presentations and we teach them different things. We have practicals like uh, pallet breaking, denailing, twine making, wreath making, fat balls, like so birdseed balls, the whole thing. And then out of the pallets and the pallets we denail and all that and um, break down, we make bird boxes and bee hotels and bug doors, the door to the bug underworld, of course, um, and so on and so forth. So, yeah. so you coordinated this, Patrick? Yeah, it's, it's a model that I basically started in the UK. Um, because we know that actually nature is really important for our well-being. It gives us our food. It gives us our clean air, our water. But there's we are so disconnected from nature. The, you know, teachers as much as students are, and we've lost a lot of knowledge. And And when they say bring 30 students outside, <laughs> well, sometimes if you go outside, there is no nature outside. You know, there's there's no established trees there's, and we know that that feeling of standing underneath a, a big oak or a big plane tree, it's, it's incredible. And so I'm just like, how am I supposed to work with 30 students outside if I don't have the equipment or tools for them? So I basically had a, a model in London where I trained a mixed group of students, invested heavily in them, a small group. And then I brought 30 students in a disadvantaged school in inner city London downstairs complaining all the way. They're like, why is he doing this to us? And then I'd hand them to a TY student, one who might be at the chickens, one who two might be in each of the small greenhouses that we had, one at the upcycling station. And then the complaining stopped and the students just got on with the workshop and really enjoyed it. And at the end of that first day, they were like, you know, is this it? Can we get some more? And then this year we piloted uh, the program in Ordskull Namara. And it's got two elements. It's got the outdoor element engaging students with nature. But it's also got an indoor element where we've got TY students like Aoife who are trained to deliver lessons on climate and nature. So, for example, really making the case for climate action and telling them the actions that they can take. And what's really interesting is if you want to motivate people to take climate action, um, you know, encouraging them to do it for themselves for a better future isn't going to cut it. (laughs) 
So actually what does cut it is solidarity mm-hmm. by actually explaining what's happening around the world and actually explaining that every single action we take, it, we're standing with people who are suffering from climate impacts and saying, you know what, we care and we're actually going to do something about it. Mm. And did it empower you, do you feel, that, that you're well, doing something now? Maybe coming away from the nature bit, a leadership skills. Like I, if you told me this time last year that I was going to come into Beach and speak on a podcast, I'd be going, no, that doesn't stop. Uh, but like now I'm like I'm able to teach in front of what, 30 first years, even third years, like third years are scary. But And just knowledge, like knowing things, just knowing simple facts and mm. just being able to do things. And yeah, I think it's... And are those people that you spoke to the first to third years, are they are they willing to embrace what they can do for climate change? I think the majority of them are. Okay. There's always the few people that are just like, no. And we're trying to sway them. And they do enjoy the outdoor classroom, whether they actually care. I think they might just like breaking apart the pallets and slamming the denailing thing. But, uh, <laughs> um, but the majority of people, yeah, they care. And there's like... They have questions after they want they want questions and they want more time in the greenhouse. Eighty eight point one percent of the students that came down said they want more time in the greenhouse and they all felt relaxed and it was like a place to socialise outside of the classroom. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's it's really interesting when you talk to the students. um, So I've I've shared the journey that I've been going on in Lamy Bryan. Uh, where I'm basically rewilding, or not, well, rewilding maybe is a bit of an extravagant term, but letting the grass grow and putting in some pollinator beds. And, and I'm learning all the time by listening to what they're saying. And I presented them with two photographs. One uh, is a, a photograph of mown grass, and one was a pollinator patch with, with long grass with flowering buttercups. And, and I asked them which one would they prefer. And I said, be honest, because everyone in the room knows exactly what I want you to say. And everyone put up their hand and they said they prefer mown grass. And I said, why? And they said, well, because um, you can, well, you can play football on it. The Mm. first answer was actually it's neat and tidy. Mm -hmm. One student talked about um, that. Actually, look, you'll get those flowers in in the summer, but then the winter will look awful. And it was really extraordinary. And I said to the students, God, we've really messed you up. We've really messed things up for you guys because you actually think that that's beautiful. And I I showed them a picture of uh, or a video that I took sitting down at the grass, looking at it swaying in the wind. And I said to him, if you were sitting there on a summer's day, watching that grass sway in the wind, how might you feel? Now, one or two students said, I might feel relaxed and calm. But some other students said, and I thought this is fascinating, they were like, well, there'd be insects. Mm. I might get stung by nettles. There'd be ticks. And I thought, like, it's extraordinary what we've done. Mm -hmm. And I had this conversation with my mum, and she was like, well, I suppose you haven't grown up with that. And I was like, I have grown up with that. We played outside. You know, we, we, had, we had nature on our doorstep, but we've just scoured our communities of life. And, and now is the time to actually put that back into our communities. So Do you I think, feel kids don't have nature on their doorstep? Of course they don't. Like, I, I, like with, without a doubt, if you actually, if you listen to parents, don't play in the grass because you're bringing it into the house. Mm. And I, you know, I see it in my own community. Like, I used to go up to our local shop um, which is just across the road. We're not crossing a main road here. And, and parents are afraid to let their children even do that. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and I, I understand it as well. It's not easy. Jeanette from Carlow County Council. I'm here smiling and I'm nodding my head furiously about the whole idea of, of uh, neat and tidy and the concept of neat and tidy. And this year we brought in through our, uh, in the County Council, our green infrastructure policy. So as part of that, what we have pledged is that we will have um, a, a map that no pollinator has to travel any more than 200 metres for a food source. So we've started working on that and a lot of, I see it all over the country at the moment, it's great, the no more may. 
you know, now the amount of complaints that we as a local authority have received, the place looks dreadful. Uh-huh. My God almighty, have the lawnmowers broken in the county council? And talking to my colleagues, they're feeling the same. So the signage is out around the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan, which is a fantastic resource for, for ordinary people to have a look and see mm-hmm. what they can do. But you're dead right. We have taught people that neat and tidy is the way forward. It's breaking yeah. my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. And Sive. Well, I just wanted to come in and commend Aoife and Pat for the, that amazing example of climate leadership. But, um, but, but what I wanted to say was that like, as a spokesperson for all, the, all that is doomy and gloomy, we're not just facing a climate crisis. It's also a biodiversity crisis. And everything you said, Pat, is completely correct. Ireland's biodiversity is in really serious trouble. And we sort of think we can get away without nature, that we can raise the countryside of of life and that it won't have any impacts on us. And we don't seem to appreciate how important ecosystem functioning is for for our water, for our air quality. So where does it start? Well, I think I would I think that schools are a really important um, place to start and obviously the leadership that you've shown Aoife is going to ripple throughout your classmates and uh, hopefully you'll only go on to do more of that kind of thing but it's not fair to burden young people with that job of leading the change we as adults need to step up and act as leaders as well so it's very important that we as we're approaching another bout of local elections and European elections you know, really press on candidates standing for local elections. Like, what what are you going to do to demonstrate leadership? What are you going to do to support biodiversity and climate action? Because if we can't get our politicians to lead on this, it's leaving it to individuals and we just won't have the critical mass to bring about the changes that Mm -hmm. are needed. Okay, Um, we could talk on this all day, but unfortunately we've only a few minutes left. I was going to ask you how... People could empower themselves, maybe one thing. But I'd also ask, to even ask, even just half the room, is there any good news? Anything you can bring to us that's good news? I, I, I always say um, Greta Thunberg is a great inspiration for many of us, I'm sure, and we haven't mentioned her at all. But one thing Greta says is that once you start acting, hope is everywhere. And that is my experience, that I would be just unable to sleep if it wasn't for the fact that I have opportunities to take action. So get involved, take actions, start small, follow the kind of examples that Jeanette was giving and you will feel better and you will be making the changes that we need. Great. Jeanette, um, you wanted to talk about the Climate Action Plan. That's one thing that we can do as individuals. That's exactly it. Look, all your local authorities around the area and around the country are currently out on public consultation, pre-draft consultation for the Climate Action Plan for the County Council. So pre-draft means that we're looking for ideas, we're looking for feedback, we're looking for exactly what people were talking about here in studio today because we depend not only on... Um, our politicians and all of our different sectoral reps, but we want to know what the people want on the ground. We, if we don't know, we can't make that happen. Okay, great. Patrick, do you want to talk about good news or something we can do well, to empower ourselves? I, I suppose the good news is that you have you. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and it starts with you. And I think like one of the things I say to the students um, when I begin an environmental influencer course is that I say, I'm not teaching you for you to fix this. I'm an adult. And we are going to address this problem. So I would say to all the adults out there, put on your big boy pants, put on your big girl pants, step up, get informed and actually take action because it isn't it isn't too difficult, but you have to make a step. Great. Anifa, I will leave the last word to you. Um, I suppose 
I think all oh, the good news might have been covered, but there is something we can do, and I think I'll be shot if I don't mention it. Um, but it's a student-led project called Plant a Planet by Leon Murphy in our school. Mm-hmm. And it's a model or a framework where everyday people can take action against climate change. So basically, trees are provided through the school from county councils and garden centres. They're distributed by primary and secondary schools. So there's, okay. um, And this year, they managed to plant more than 16,000 trees, both native and fruit trees. Great. So what's that called? Uh, the Plant a Planet campaign. So the plant you literally just plant a, tra- plant a tree and that's it. Great. Thanks for joining us on this special half hour on climate change here on Beat 102 and 03 that we call Hours to Protect. You can get more details on Hours to Protect.ie and our website, beat102and03.com, where you can calculate your carbon footprint, of course. And we are carrying out a survey as part of Hours to Protect. We'd love you to get involved and you can go to our website to do that as well. But in the meantime, Sive O'Neill, Jeanette O'Brien, Patrick Kirwan and Aoife Milner. Thanks a million for coming in. Hours to Protect is funded by Commission them on with the television license fee and is a partnership between Beat 102 103 and the Independent Broadcasters of Ireland. Check out eyes2protect.ie for more info. The Takeover with Southeast Technological University, where our BA in design looks good from any angle. More at setu.ie.